This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we answer the question, What's it really like to be an airline captain, a new airline captain? To help us answer this, we have a public speaker and somebody who actually went through this process and also is the author of Three Feet to the Left, and that's Corey Frank. But before we begin, and we have a few announcements. You know, if you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write to us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You know, we have a scholarships guide. You've heard me talk about that. We have all sorts of courses online, career coaching, et cetera. One of our newest courses that you can check out is we have a resume course. It's a pilot resume and five simple steps, and it goes through the whole process of how to create your pilot resume. It's the one thing that most people ask me about. If you're already in our career coaching program, you get that course for free. There is also a free coupon if you go check out our YouTube channel. So make sure you click on YouTube at the top of Aviation Careers Podcast. By the way, if you're somebody who really wants to give back to the community, if you want to help somebody move forward in their career, you can do this real simply. And that's through helping out through the pay it forward campaign. For as little as a dollar a month, you can make a huge impact on someone's life. Uh, You know, what we do is once we get $10 in collections from the pay it forward campaign, we give away one scholarships guide. We give away dozens of them. We've given away over the past few years, hundreds of them, and we've truly made a difference in people's lives. So go check that out. Also, by the way, if you are one of the people that uh, does use the scholarships guide, we just came out with a new one. Uh, there are 64 new scholarships. There are six updates. And again, we, we have that new category, scholarships for adults. So go check that out. And again, reminder, if you want uh, to get that free gift, go to our YouTube channel, uh, Expert Aviator, or just click on YouTube at the top of Aviation Careers Podcast. Well, today joining us is somebody that uh, I really love reading his books and watching him on YouTube and is very inspirational. And that is Corey Frank, author of Three Feet to the Left. Well, welcome to the podcast, Corey. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. You know, this is really awesome to have you here because you and I, uh, we've actually, you talk about three feet to the left. We've been to the same place, uh, but at many different years, well, actually decades apart, a decade apart, I should say. And that was uh, at the training center over there at Continental, which is now United. True statement. (laughs) So, Corey, um, one of the things you've done is you've uh, made your way to the left seat of an airliner, and you've done this at a very young age. Uh, I think it's 31 years old, correct? I was 31 when I first upgraded in 2013. That's correct. And that is, that's incredible. And hats off to you for doing that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But one of the things that I think is really important when we're talking careers, it, it's not, it's not all just about, you know, getting into the left seat of an airliner. It's about the journey too. And we're going to talk a little bit about defining success. But it's always fun to listen to people like you're, you're a captain, airline captain. But you know what? That journey started somewhere with this spark of, of passion for aviation. So, so where did that start? Well, for me personally, I think, and a lot of other aviators for that matter, it really starts with feeling that pull of aviation. And I tasted it first as a five-year-old when my grandmother took me to Florida. And, you know, you have your face pressed up against the glass and looking down at the countryside. And it's like this whole new world just opens up to you. Um, 
when I was in high school then, it it kind of went supercharged when I had the opportunity with my family. We flew to London uh, to visit my sister who was studying overseas at the time. And uh, at the time, I had heard that perhaps you can get up into the cockpit during the flight to see some things. And so I went up, um, I asked the flight attendants if that would be possible. And to make a long story short, they the, the next morning, they brought me up onto the cockpit of a 747-200, and I got to watch the sunrise over the North Atlantic, and it was just spectacular. Uh, well, a little bit later, they come back to my um, seat in the back of the plane, you know, way back in coach, of course, and they told me, you must have uh, made quite an impression on the pilots because they've invited you back for the landing. And wow. so back up past the rows of coach, up the stairs to the upper deck and uh, into the cockpit once again. And the flight engineer strapped me into the extra cockpit jump seat and uh, started pointing out all of the various sites, you know, as we made our way into Heathrow. And uh, it was, it was just, to me, it was an only God kind of moment that uh, said, Hey, this is totally what you're supposed to do. And from there, you know, I was off to the races with uh, as trying to get where I wanted to go uh, as fast as I could. So from flight training in high school to um, also going to Embry-Riddle and uh, did a couple internships and then ended up uh, at American Eagle and then Continental Airlines uh, in 2006. I got to tell you, though, what's really cool to me now is, uh, and it totally unexpected when I wrote this book, was that I get letters now from uh, kids who were pretty much like myself and um, that they're now telling me that by reading my book, they're getting that same kind of immersive feeling of what it's like to be an airline captain. And that's just really, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome because you're really relating to the next generation of pilots and you're you're actually spurring them on, which happened to you in that cockpit that day. Totally, 100%. I just didn't expect, I mean, I, I, I expected that by writing this book that I always thought of the business travelers that were with us that uh, were sitting in the back and they'd stare at the cockpit door and they'd wonder, you know, what really happens in front of that door? And so I wanted uh, to to go out and, and write a, a book so that they felt like they were sitting on the jump seat with us as we battled thunderstorms and blizzards and all of the other challenges along the way. It's, it, I didn't really expect though to you know how much it would resonate with the younger crowds i mean on amazon one of the categories that it always does well in is teen and young adult biography ebooks and uh, i just never i never saw that coming yeah it's interesting the reason being is that you do such a great job of describing the environment i think that's why it resonates so well thank um, you and that's something that's really important. One of the reasons that I highly recommend reading this, if you really want to know what it's like to journey into the left seat, I think uh, this book is one thing that you want to look at. But we'll talk a little bit of that uh, later. What I want to know, though, is that we're sitting here talking. You're an airline captain, right? But I, I think we have to realize this didn't happen overnight, did it? So tell it, bring us to where you went, you know, high school and then went to college, et cetera. That journey to the left seat was, uh, was a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I think it is for anybody. I mean, I, I'm the first to admit though, that, uh, I've, I've obviously caught some really lucky breaks along the way and had some really good timing, which I guess I have to thank my parents for that, uh, in the beginning, uh, because as you well know, and your experience has proven, 
like this industry is, uh, it's a crazy one uh, uh, all the way around. Um, and you kind of, even the environment we're living in right now, it, it kind of l- plays that out. So uh, I was in college when September 11th happened and can remember uh, so many of my friends at the time that were saying like, well, is this even worth pursuing at this point, um, given what's happening in the industry? And in many ways, it was it was like a perfect time to be getting in because you were you didn't need the airline job that day. You needed the airline job several years from then, uh, just the same as people who might be considering the same thought uh, with the coronavirus effects on our industry. Uh, but you know, to your point, like I, I went to Embry Riddle. I studied through the summers. Like I was on a mission, and I, I had a, I had been counseled along the way that said seniority is everything in this industry, and it's all about getting that number as quickly as you can. And so that's why I, I got my private and instrument before I matriculated to Embry Riddle. Um, I stayed over the summer so that I could. Uh, get my flight instructor ratings and build time while I was still a student. Did the couple internships, um, one with Atlantic Coast Airlines, uh, which became Independence Air, and then uh, later with Continental. Um, and then I worked for about, uh, I guess it was only truthfully about seven months or so in Virginia, in Lynchburg, Virginia, for a company called Virginia Aviation, where I did flight instruction and some charter and aircraft deliveries and um, some really cool life experiences, honestly, uh, one of my favorite flying experiences of, of all happened there when I delivered a Cessna 206 down to, uh, Cornavaca, Mexico. It was my first time flying, uh, outside of the United States and uh, just incredibly eye-opening all the way along, uh, along there. But then I went to American Eagle and flew the Saab 340 for, um, a little while and then uh, transitioned to the regional jet, the Embraer regional jet before getting the call to interview with Continental in 2006. Well, that that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's uh, a heck of a journey. It's rather quick though, isn't it? Totally. Uh, I mean, I'd be the, like I say, I'm the first to admit that I, I really caught some lucky breaks along the way. I'd like to think that, you know, I, I worked hard and put myself in a position to be able to capitalize on on some of those, but um, that internship with Continental um, really was what paid huge dividends for me. Yeah, I I think a lot of people don't realize that internships are are incredibly important. That's one of the things I, I didn't talk much about beforehand. But tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about uh, your feelings towards that because I get this question often: Is an internship worth it? What is your answer? I mean, 100%, if only for the experience, even if it doesn't lead in. I mean, the Atlantic Coast Airlines internship, uh, I think about a lot because even though it ultimately didn't help to get me an airline job because of the status of that company, um, they formed their internship so that you cycled through a variety of departments, exposed me to the safety program, as well as I threw bags on the ramp, you know, Uh, and to this day, it's a great way to connect with um, with some of the ramp crews as I'm out in the system, uh, especially on like a hot day in the summer. And I say, man, I I do know what it's like to you know that I I did work the ramp for not a long time, but a short period of time, and got a little taste of of what they're they're going through. Because one thing's for sure, you can't push an airplane back with without an entire team of people, both at the airport and at headquarters as well. So seeing that that backside of the company to me is super, um, insightful. 
With respect to the Continental Internship, I, I really can't say enough good things about how they structured that program. Um, they they did a lot for education as well as you know the nuts and bolts of research and things that you as an intern would do. Um, you know, at the time, I don't I honestly don't know if they're still doing it today, but they at the time they put us through um, hyperbaric chamber uh, training for high altitude stuff. They they uh, sent us through the MD eighty simulator course. Um, wow, that's cool. For, so we we basically got the full first officer training. Uh, on the MD-80 minus the check ride and the type rating, but um, lots of little things like that, international uh, observation flights after putting us through um, ETOPS training, the extended twin engine overwater uh, training. So just if you want to, I, th- I think that when you talk to pilots that have done that type of internship or have worked in other capacities, they have a much better perspective on what really makes these airlines fly, not just uh, the the pilot side of things, which sometimes you know we're only seeing an aspect of the operation. Yeah, and that's one thing that I think is incredibly important, especially as you move into the captain seat. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, as far as internships are concerned, I'm a, a big fan. I mean, if you don't get one, you don't get one. But that's uh, but try as hard as you can. I mean, it's really good for networking, also, even in your future. Even if you don't get a job, like you just said, it really is a great opportunity to learn. I don't know if you, you've said in, in uh, the one interview that I listened to you uh, uh, and on your show, I've heard you say as well, like, you never know in this industry who you're going to meet and where you're going to find uh, find them again or who you're going to bump into. Like, just because you may be working for someone one day, they may be working for you another day or vice versa. Yeah, good example. I always use the example of one of my students will be the most senior captain at the airline I work for now. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be in the right seat, you know, with that student. But you never know; you really don't, because this uh, and we're seeing that cycle again right now with the coronavirus. Things are definitely changing. Um, but let's talk a little bit about because the the main topic here we're talking about what it's really like to be a new airline captain. There's some people that are here. Um, I've worked for years as a captain, left seat, and uh, it really is interesting moving into that left seat. Not so much for from somebody who's experienced, but somebody's listening right now who's who's actually looking towards the possibility of an upgrade. Uh, talk us through that whole process and tell us a little bit about not giving away the whole book, sure, but maybe a little advice as far as moving left seat. Well, I mean, the first thing I can tell you is that when the day that you see your name on the captain list, as I'm sure that you can, you would agree, it, it is a completely bizarre feeling. And it is um, almost immediately you go from this really big excitement to, oh my gosh, this is really going to happen. And over the next series of months, as you start to go to training, and then obviously once you start flying out on the line, uh, it really hits home that, that that even though it's a small shift, three feet or so, um, it's a huge sh- mental shift as well. Because as a first officer, you you know you have the opportunity to impact the decision making process, but as a captain, you impact the decisions themselves. Um, and uh, the, one of the best pieces of advice that I received was during training. It was the the, the check ride, the guy that was giving us our check ride. He talked about what he, what I like to refer to as the window test, and that the he said for years you've been sitting in the in the right seat, and uh, when something would come up, you'd look to the to your left and say to the captain, "What do you want to do?" He said, "Well, now the first officer is going to be asking you the same thing, and you're going to look to the left, and the only thing you're going to see is the reflection in the window." 
And it's very true <laughs> because somebody, one of the biggest jobs of a captain is to, to take a stand, to make a call. Sometimes you're the only person who can actually make that call. Could be to delay a flight or to make a flight go. Um, and you have to be ready to make that decision. It's not always comfortable. It takes a long time. I think it takes a long time to actually grow into uh, feeling comfortable with making those decisions. Uh, but so many people have done it before. And I'm sure if, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to do it too. Yeah, and I love how you talk about looking to the left. I always tell people when you're from the right seat to the left, you look to the left and you see sky, you know, and there's you just see some clouds. So it's like, yeah, what should we do, Captain? Well, now you're the one making that decision. So one of the things that I think is is true for most people is there are a lot of people uh, they say to themselves, "Well, I'm not sure I can do it because they've spent so much time in the right seat." There's a contingent of people out there, and this is something that I, I'd like to bring up is that they have not seen a left seat ever. And this sounds strange, but they, even at the regional airlines, they never went to the left seat. I'm sure you're saying that where you are. So that could be a challenge. That I mean, could be well, a that was my something. situation as well. Admittedly, I, I never upgraded at American Eagle. So my first upgrade was, you know, uh, at, at United. And um, it, in many ways, I think, I, I guess I could go back and forth on it, but I, I think in many ways that it could be actually harder to upgrade at a regional carrier than at a major carrier, uh, especially with the rapid growth that has been taking place and the pilot attrition. You know, I was upgrading with people who had years of experience in the right seat, whereas at a regional carrier, all of a sudden you're making the calls, you're responsible for this jet, and the guy or gal sitting next to you might be uh, on their first flight uh, with, or maybe not first flight, but uh, w one of the first flights in the jet um, or at an airline. So not only are they getting used to airline operations and all of the different nuances that go into that, but actually flying uh, a jet and high altitude, high speed, all of, all of those situations. So in many ways, I think that was actually lucky for me that uh, I got to upgrade at the major carrier. The, the flip side of that, of course, is that we go to an awful lot of places that regional airlines uh, don't typically go to. So uh, international operations and crossing the FIR boundaries and all of these things that I had no idea really about prior to uh, becoming a Continental Airlines uh, and now a United uh, pilot as well. So I, I think that's important to understand that is that there's so much that you learn, even upgrading at a major. Uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time as a captain at the regional, and I, that point was very well taken, is that if you're a regional pilot and you're thinking of upgrading, one thing you have to realize is that you are going to be flying with a lot of folks that are brand new. I mean, I flew with a lot of people. This was their first trip off IOE for years. So you really have to pay attention. Not that you don't pay attention anyway, but uh, the difference is now as a captain and a major, you're flying with people that were have 8,000 hours as opposed to 800 hours. Well, now it's 1,500 or whatever. But, you know, so that's, it's a little bit different. So uh, that's a great point that you make. So the regional airline captain upgrade is a little bit different than somebody uh, upgrading at a major airline once you're in that left seat. So that's a very good distinction that you made. I think, though, that there, it's still, the, the point should be made, like, one of the best parts, my favorite parts about being a captain is that you never have to rush ever again. Like, you control the pace. So if if you notice that somebody is new, 
give them the extra time. It is your job as the leader to set that tone, to to set the pace, to make sure that you're following the lead in many ways, looking after the, the person that's sitting beside you. Because uh, I look at it as, you know, it's servant leadership, really, that leadership is not about you. Like if you think that, oh, I'm going to be a captain and I get to toot my own horn and finally I wear these four stripes and everybody says, good morning, captain, and this is great. Well, I got news for you. Like that's that's a major problem uh, and potentially a big blind spot that y- you would have to overcome because you need to be more focused, in my opinion, on that person in the right seat to step up to communicate that they're uncomfortable, that they don't like where this is headed. There's that's a high bar for them to 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 potentially speak up about, unless you set the right tone, unless you make it open and transparent and say, look. Uh, we're going to do this together and we're going to do it at, at your speed as well as my speed. So being conservative and taking uh, my cues from my, my colleagues, I, I think that is a huge aspect of uh, adjusting to life in the left seat. It sure is. And I think that one, two things you said, the tone you're setting and the pace. And one of the things I think we do often is we rush and we don't realize that you can bring those thrust levers or that throttle back and slow down. And there's no reason to rush in an airplane. I know you're going super fast, but if you're rushing, you're probably doing something wrong. Uh, so you need to back up a little. Obviously, in emergencies, there, there's a little bit more of a cadence, a different cadence. <laughs> but uh, but I love that point that you made. As far as uh, great advice for people moving to the left seat, don't want to give away all the the you know secrets in the book. So we do want to promote that and people to go out there and read it. But um, one of the things I do want to talk about uh, and I think it's really important is if you can remember when you got that, I know you talked a little bit about getting that call or that, that looking online as far as getting the upgrade. How about afterwards? What, what, what was that like when you actually were made captain after your check ride to walk us through that whole experience? I mean, what did you feel like? Uh, that's, it's a great question. That's burned into my memory banks, you know, uh, I was upgraded at, in Chicago. I was my wife and I were living in downtown at the time, and I can remember whether it was real or imagined. Uh, you have the four stripes on, and the first time that I walked through the airport, um, you get off the train in O'Hare, and uh, you're strolling through the terminal. I felt like everybody was staring at me, and it was probably no different than normal. But I felt like everybody was staring at me, and I felt like that colleagues that I would see in the, in, in the terminal would stare at my four stripes and then they'd look at me cause I had a pretty young face and, and some people would say I still do. Um, and so all of that to a certain extent created some anxiety, quite honestly. And it's like, I hope that I'm, I'm ready for this. Um, because you know, look, pilots have a lot of bravado and, and that's part of us and what we do. But we're still humans as well. And I think if you approach this job seriously, it's impossible to not, you know, think those thoughts during your first your first upgrade, especially when you meet the crew and you realize like they're putting their confidence in you. And then you look at the passengers and you think these people are sizing me up and wondering like, am I really going to have what it takes to lead them? Uh, safely to their destination because it's not just them; it's their families and their kids at home, and that's an awful lot of responsibility. That when we close the cockpit door, sometimes I think we forget about. 
But at that level of trust, uh, it needs to be well-earned. Well-earned and, and well-thought about, too, and constantly thought about. I think that's a, a great point of yours. So it wasn't just exhilaration. It's a lot of nervousness, too, wasn't it? You know, sure, totally. <laughs> I mean, and then you, you push back and you're taxiing out and you you feel like every baggage cart is coming closer to you uh, than you think that it should or the, the catering trucks. And you're like, good grief, where is that going? <laughs> Well, one of the things I think that's uh, interesting as far as being a captain is the fact that we sometimes, we get there and we're in the left seat. I'm sure you've heard this. And we define our success based on being that airline captain. But one of the things we have to do is realize that there's more than just that one goal. There's many other things that are involved in what success is and how we define it. Maybe you can talk a little bit towards that because you do speak about it in your book. Totally. In fact, I think this is really what the gist of the whole book is for me. Like, I don't know if other people take away from it the, the same message, but a lot of this has to do exactly with that point. You know, I used to think that success was the achievement of a goal. And if it's it's a destination reached, that you you have a goal, you work backwards to plot a course, you execute with excellence along the way. And, you know, assuming that you have a little bit of good luck here and there, you're going to probably arrive at your goal. Um, the problem is that becomes a sugar high success that after a short period of time, that, uh, euphoria that you experience when you achieve your goal kind of fades away and it leads you, leaves you wanting more, whether that's uh, a bigger, uh, a bigger goal, uh, something, you know, that you need to chase again. And it sort of started to realize that first of all, if, even if you achieve your greatest aspiration, if all it was about was putting a, you know, a trophy on your bookshelf, you're going to feel pretty empty uh, at the end of the day. And the second part was that I flew with all of these pilots. Um, and I have a great respect for these uh, at the time. They were furlough, most of whom were double furlough United uh, pilots that were because this was this book takes place in the middle of the Continental and United merger. Um, as it happened, a lot of those. Uh, pilots that had been on furlough were called back onto the continental side of the airline. And so here they are flying with me and I'm, um, you know, I've had one type of career uh, and their career was substantially rockier. Um, and yet I'd learned from that. Like it was kind of at the start was blown away by the fact that, yeah, sure. There were some pilots that were rather bitter and uh, about their experience. I, I'm sure that it's virtually impossible not to be. But there were a lot of people who had made peace with their career, and I didn't fully understand it. Like, how, how could you just roll with the punches? And they tell me these stories about all the things that they did while they were on furlough, whether it be starting businesses or taking long road trips or, you know, finishing out their 20 years in the military or, or what have you. And um, it started to make me realize that there was something, there's something more for it, you know. And so when I think of success now, I really think about like being, being an older man. And I come downstairs and I peek into my home office or something, and there's a big desk and uh, wooden bookshelves, and on on the of course several books that I would have written, um, along with some airplane models that I'd flown and knickknacks that I'd accumulated along the along the way, and then maybe you know a, a granddaughter or something is sitting in a big leather chair uh, by a window, and in her hands she's holding a journal. Uh, that I've written or a handwritten journal that she kind of found stuffed away in a box somewhere. 
and then she's reading through it and is enthralled because it reads like an adventure story that there's all of these twists and turns and um, loves and letdowns, quite honestly. And that uh, uh, then she looks up and says, Grandpa, will, will you tell me the story again about that time that you did whatever? Um, because to me, I think that it it is an adventure. Life is an adventure. You've lived that yourself. I mean, when I heard about you were selling lobsters from the um, Bahamas, I was like, well, that took a turn I was not expecting. Uh, and yet what a rich and uh, rich experience to have, a life experience to have. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I feel like that's what we're going to remember more than a lot of the other uh, parts. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because uh, I was just talking about that the other day. Um, totally off the topic of aviation, I was talking about lobster, and somebody was asking me how we preserve them and all the how they're shipped, how to deal with the FDA, and a life adventure that I never would have uh, if I didn't just go jump on that. Uh, I, and I tell people, and I th- I'm sure you do, is just enjoy that journey, and you never know what path you're going to go down. And uh, and it's, it is a varied path, that's for sure. Uh, but defining success, I think, is individual. Individual, and it's also something which I think if, like you just did, we can visualize, it does help. Uh, but we realize that that vision of success changes over years, doesn't it? Totally. I mean, each season of our life, we, we're, it changes. You know, being, being a single airline pilot, I could have cared less about being out on the road <laughs> constantly. Yeah. Why even? I didn't even want a house at the time like because uh, that's just something to maintain. And then you get married and you want to be home more and especially having a daughter. And like, it's, uh, I'm so thankful uh, for things like FaceTime and such that allow us to stay connected on the road. I can't imagine, you know, the, the scores of airline pilots that have come before me and, and everybody in this generation that had to raise children and families and stuff where you'd, you'd go gear up and it was like, uh, all right, I'll see you in a week or whatever. When whenever you get back, no, no staying in touch back home. That's for sure. No, no, that is for sure. Well, guys, Corey, this has been great. Just talking about this journey, I I do want to make sure people realize that there's resources available. Um, you talk a lot about uh, the book, or we talked a lot about the book. So tell us a little bit about what the book is, the title, one more time, how they can find it, and what other things can they expect besides some of the things that we talked about. Sure. You know, th- the book is called Three Feet to the Left, A New Captain's Journey from Pursuit to Perspective. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, you, I, th- I believe you can order it from Barnes and Noble and things too. Uh, but Amazon's the best place. It's also on Audible. So if you if you prefer um, audiobooks, you can listen to me for 11 hours. Uh, I mean, who, who doesn't want to do that? Um, and, but inside the book, I mean, you're going to get what to expect as an airline captain. You're going to follow me from that initial captain award all the way through IOE and a variety of challenging, you know, flight scenarios and leadership tests. Um, which I think, just side note, what what has also been cool is I get these emails um, from from readers who say basically say, you know, it's a different airline, different region of the world, different airplane, same experience. You know, former um, chief pilot for one of the major carriers, he wrote out. Uh, wrote uh, wrote to me and said that he felt like he was reading his story, not mine. And that was, I felt like huge, uh, huge praise, you know, as a writer, that's what you're trying to do is, is make things feel real for people. Um, of course, leadership and decision-making is a huge piece of this. Um, one of the things I talk about in my keynotes is uh, that conduct has consequences and consequences combine. So as a leader, as you're 
as you're tasked with these to think you, you have to be playing chess in many ways. You have to be thinking like, okay, it's not just this decision that I'm making. It's what is this decision going to say to my colleague and how is that going to affect me tomorrow or in a couple days when another issue comes up and how do I make sure that I'm fostering the best relationships that I can? And then lastly, of course, in the book, you're going to get the perspective on what I think uh, truly fulfilling success is. And you get to see that, how I kind of come to that that place, um, one that satisfies over the long term. Um, so that's that's basically what the book is about. And, and I hope that your readers will check it out and definitely reach out to me on Instagram or, or send me an email if, when, they, when they're done and let me know what they think. Yeah, definitely. I highly recommend it. I, I uh, honestly, I haven't finished the book yet, so I'm glad you didn't get away, give away too much because it's a great journey. Uh, you write very well. It's very descriptive. I think what you were saying uh, is very true. The part I've, I'm through the part where we're going through the simulator. I was like, oh my god, this is this is what I went through, you know. And and it is. It's a, a very good description of what it's like to upgrade. So great job, great Thank job you. on that. But if you're listening right now and you want to find out how to get the book and all the different things we talked about, we'll have links in the podcast show notes at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Any questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We'll send it over to Corey Frank. CoreyFrank.com. It's on Instagram. And also, uh, you can find Amazon. There's many different places. Really, the best way is to just uh, click on his website. You'll find all the different resources. There's tons of them. If you want uh, Corey to come speak uh, at one of your organizations, uh, he can do that too, right, Corey? Once COVID's over, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, it's virtual, just like we're doing here. Uh, And uh, really been exciting having you on. I can't wait to listen to what you're doing in the future. I'd love to have you back on when you start writing more of your books and uh, And if readers want to want a taste of of things if uh, i highly encourage you to sign up i started what i'm calling stories with substance so uh, weekly emails where um where i take some issue or event and i I kind of write a narrative about it just like it was in the book but it's just a short weekly email um, that has a point to it Um, that's been kind of fun starting out here very recently and as an added bonus you'll get my top 10 leadership lessons from the book if you do sign up uh, for those emails. Well, that's a great resource. I started reading them, as a matter of fact. They're very good. Well done. Um, the uh, Anything else, any other resources you want to tell them about before we close? Uh, I, I'd, I'd say on social media, I'm most active on Instagram. That's been a lot of fun to be able to connect with with uh, aviation lovers from all over the uh, all over the world, really. And there's some cool photos in there as far as what it's like to be an uh, airline pilot. And I think that's cool that you share that in your that part of your life. Um, any last advice for those folks that are looking at upgrading to captain? Because that was kind of the the uh, whole purpose of this is to talk a little bit towards that um, as far as, you know, any th- simple type of advice you can give somebody who's looking at the upgrade. I think I'd say three things. Uh, the first is really consider training from day one for leadership. Uh, you know, that, that means executing with excellence all the way along, on and off the flight deck, using discipline and precision uh, in how you fly, because it's a small world out there. And this business is one where you can go from everything's normal to everything is terrible in a very short period of time. You need to be ready for that, both as a first officer and as a captain. So, I, I encourage people to read and study leadership because leadership is not about you. It's about how you manage and uh, and and handle the people around you and inspire them to work together as a team. Uh, the second thing is to reminder that being designated a leader does not 
necessarily mean you're deserving of leadership. Uh, you have to earn that. In my keynotes, I talk about the difference between positional authority and relational authority. Positional authority being how the uh, the, the trappings of leadership, the, the epaulets, the, the scrambled eggs on your cap, all of that. People know that you are the captain. But I feel like if I ever have to say, do this because I'm the captain, then I've failed already. Because that means that's like the trump card that you get to throw down at the very end, but you've already lost people at that point. The key is fostering that relational authority, which is very nuanced from the first time that you step on board an airplane, the way that you interact with the flight attendants, what you say, the first impressions you make, um, how disciplined are you with the checklists, how um, do you rush, do you cut corners? All of that speaks volumes to the people that you're flying with, and you can't get that back if you have mismanaged that out of the gate. The last piece is humble yourself, is servant leadership. It's not about how great you are, it's about how great your team can be. Uh, and if we focus on those three things, the executing with excellence and uh, uh, remembering that being designated a leader doesn't mean that you're deserving of leadership, uh, it can be, it can be, of course. And then to humble yourself, I, I think that's the recipe for success in the left seat. All great advice, and you can find out more in your book and on your website. Great idea to go check this out, CoreyFrank.com. Corey, this has been awesome talking to you, man. Yeah, same here. Terrific. Thank you for having yeah. me on. And it, it's great to to see your journey uh, through my eyes because I felt like uh, it was me, you know, just like I said in, in the book. And I think everybody that reads this book can pull something from it. Even if you're not thinking about being an airline pilot, this is a great book to read, not just about learning about being an airline pilot, but also about success and leadership. And we hope to see more in the future. Uh, Corey, it has been awesome having you on. Thanks so much. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Well, if you're listening right now and you want to find out more about Corey and what he's doing online, I really highly recommend going to CoreyFrank.com. Also, his Instagram page, if you want to kind of live the life of a captain or an airline pilot, and read his book. Uh, I'm not finished with it, but uh, I will give an update once I am done with it, and you'll hear it right here on Aviation Careers Podcast. But I think one of the most important things we can do is when we're looking at moving forward in anything in our lives, uh, whether it's moving from the right seat to the left, whether it's thinking about moving into a career, it just doesn't happen overnight. And Corey even said it, you know, you start off, you know, a long time ago thinking about upgrading. But the most important thing is don't stop. Make sure you do something and do something today. When you turn this off and you, you stop listening to this, don't just stop there. Make sure you actually maybe call somebody. If you're jogging, you know, get on your phone and put a reminder that you need to do something. But make sure you do something today to move forward in your career. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode and stay flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler, all rights reserved.